God knows. Action. <laughs> and action. Mr. Vince Sheffaloo, former ATF, undercover ATF, author of Rat Snakes. And uh, it's an awesome fucking book. I highly recommend it. In a world of political correctness, it's a beautifully hysterical, politically incorrect book. It's badass. And uh, I just moved into a new apartment. And for whatever reason, the the new webcam and microphone both decided to... What the fuck? Both this. <laughs> Both decided to shift. Oh, there you are. Now we're back. It's, we're back. It's there's a storm going on right now, and I don't know what's going on, but the microphone's fucked up, the webcam's fucked up, and the internet's chopping in and out. So this thing's held together with duct tape right now. <laughs> so I have no idea why it's all happening, but we're gonna go with it anyway. But um, Mr. For all the new listeners, Mr. Sheffler's been on here twice. He's got a lot of badass stories in his book, Rat Snakes. It's on Audible, so if you're a dipshit like me and you don't want to read and you can just listen, you can listen. But um, there seems to be a lot going on in the news right now with the uh, appointment of the new director of the ATF. And the former Special Forces guys I've had on here, my other you know ex-military friends, they all seem to have a, a big problem with, with who, whoever it is. And instead of being reactionary and throwing my uninformed opinion in the ring, I decided, wait, wait, I'm friends with a guy that was in the ATF. Why don't I have him on and pick his brain? So with that, what what is what is the concern, pro or cons, with the new ATF director? Is this just there's, all fluff? There's real... Um there's a basis for concern. Okay. Um, Chipman was a marginal agent. Um, he rode coattails. Always inserted himself into the big deals, but was never the, the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, checked the boxes, moved on before he could be seen for the fraud he was. Mm-hmm. Moved up the chain. Um, got really politically savvy. And dude, the day he left, he when it's uh, Cabby Gifford's gun grabbing uh, nonprofit there, or whatever it is, you know the Gifford yes. gun safety, yes. whatever it is, um, and has been there ever since. And the guy um, is a partisan hack, and anyone who has any expectation of law enforcement, it's generally that we at least appear or try to be apolitical mm-hmm. we don't pick sides they were very um they were very serious when i got hired on and that was a big part of my interviews and my panel interviews where was i able to leave my personal feelings out of the gun trade and enforce the laws with you know without prejudice and passion because we were already we're, we're enforcing the most unpopular laws since prohibition. Um, yeah. This guy is not that guy. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, that's a good point. Yeah, because you you do always see that. I mean, I just I was just listening to a book this morning about the former head of CIA counterintelligence, James Angleton, and you know he was the head of counterintelligence under Kennedy. But even his biggest thing, it was like, you know, when asked towards the end of his career, it was like, what's the most important virtue in being the head of counterintelligence? And he was like, you report to the president. You don't report to a Republican or a Democrat. You report to the president. And he was like, once we sway from that, um, that structure, 
that's how you fall into third world nation, Banana Republic, KGB. You're, you're driving. You're driving. Um, ATF is not a legislative body. Yeah. It's very simple. Yeah. I mean, they make it complicated. And some yeah. of our tasks are somewhat technical, yeah. but not complicated. Yeah. You have a license. You're required to be inspected every year. We inspect you. We do it in the spirit of the law, not the letter of the law. Everybody makes mistakes. We enforce the laws with um, a great deal of discretion. And that's how it should be. Pulling the director's strings, the puppet master, you don't need to bother with getting a consensus in Congress to improve or change or add or modify existing laws. You just do it. Yeah. You know, you just do it. You make policies that are so um, destructive. He's going to get agents killed if this guy gets confirmed. You think so? Because the policies he's, the policies he's going to pursue are going to piss people off. Now, you know, uh, and they're going to unreasonable reaches of authority. <laughs> um, I just I don't see him getting out of committee. Um, he's he's known to be untruthful. He's known to manipulate facts. He's known to say stupid things. Um, this should be a no-brainer. I don't see him making it and getting confirmed. But, hey, I didn't see Joe Biden getting elected either. Very true. It's very true. Yeah, I mean, shit happens. Um, again, because I am someone who is more well-versed in, in biology – and when I step outside of that field, I try to de defer to people who actually know what the fuck they're talking about. So, again, I don't want to just, you know, regurgitate uh, facts and speaking points that other people are saying. I'd rather pick your brain. What what policies is he going to implement that, as you said, could get agents killed, are going to be highly unpopular? Because, again, all of my friends are Republicans and ex-military, so I'm not exactly getting an unbiased uh, sound off when I talk to friends well, about this. So I, I want to hear it from you. What do you think he's going to do that's necessarily unpopular? I, I have no idea what he will do. I don't have a crystal ball. I know what he has said. He thinks he's prudent. I know the policies he supports. But for example, these red flag laws. Mm -hmm. Now, these things are a red herring. They're potentially a tool, but like any tool can be abused. Um, you got this situation where um, they're visiting the um, AR pistols. Mm -hmm. You know, ATF ruled they were fine, they were legal, they were designed to be fired, not to be fired from the shoulder, blah, blah, blah. Then they came back under pressure from the Biden administration and wanted to outlaw them to short barrel rifles. Um, they put it in the federal register, but they try to sneak stuff out there. And it's just a policy, it's not a law. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but they were going to classify them as short bell rifles under the National Firearms Act, which means all four or seven million, I keep hearing all these different numbers, there's millions of those things out there. Everyone either has to relinquish it or register it and pay a $200 tax. That's going to piss a lot of people off. Yeah. And if the what is the um, end game to a policy like that? 
I'm not paying your tax. I'm not doing it. When I bought it, it was legal. And here's the paperwork. And ATF has been on the charts, off the charts about they can't decide. I'm not giving you. I own 20 of these things. Yeah. You know, I run a game ranch or uh, whatever. I'm not giving you $10,000 or giving you my guns. Well, what's next? ATF going to come up and take them? Yeah. That's inherently dangerous, even though you're talking about previously law-abiding citizens. Yeah. When you start throwing, you know, making citizens felons instead of, you know, they're virtually doing, putting no resources into Chicago. Yeah. And there's more people shot with shitty $200 handguns on a weekend in Chicago than are in the whole country with short barreled or, or uh, AR pistols. It's, it's just that sort of willingness to become the gun police and think you can enforce your way out of our violent society. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, it, it doesn't, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I think it was, um, who was it? I think it was Gandhi. It might've been Gandhi. It might've been someone else wrote all these letters to Hitler saying only you can stop this madness. But what stopped Hitler was a wave of Soviet artillery you know, there were a bunch of peace protests in Japan. You know what stopped Japan? Uh, a nuclear warhead over a city. Unfortunately, we are we are apes, and you can't you can't legislate your way out of that. You know, it wasn't legal to fly planes into the World Trade Center, but it still happened. Right. And what you touched on earlier is you are now with the stroke of a pen turning law-abiding citizens into felons so like i own an iphone if you make a law tonight that says iphones are illegal well sure if in the future i go out and pursue an iphone that shows that i have like felonious a felonious activity and intent but right now i'm just a dude with an iphone and the difference is is i can't hurt anyone with this now this is a weapon and you are now turning me a law-abiding vanilla citizen into a felon and now you are going to enforce that at gunpoint with a a stack of atf agents decked out in swat gear now you're asking for death all around correct what the what the giffords and chipmans and um the people who are so anti-gun don't get is the vast majority of the killings and what have you are done they're not done through a legal process yes every now and then some crazy will go in and buy a car a gun legally and go shoot up a bunch of people but the vast majority of cripples don't go in they don't produce their driver's license their identification do a background check so you can make as many laws as you want yeah they don't follow them you're not going to reduce gun violence by putting more laws out there you ask me enhance you you get a guy out there right now does first time armed robbery at 19 or whatever he catches a felony conviction whatever ATF goes after him say it was a violent uh, takeover robbery this guy is facing five years in federal prison with the sentencing guidelines and five, or, uh, 
10K downward departures and six months probation. No, you want to get their attention? I've seen it work. 20 years. You're a felon. You got a gun. And especially if you're using it in yet another crime, eat 20 years. Yeah. And no, no, uh, you know, uh, probation. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's. Like, uh, did you see the president's uh, press conference when he announced Chipman? I watched, yes, I did. I think it was like 30 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I watched that. Are you familiar? Are you familiar with what a ghost gun is? Loose. I had heard the term before that. I had always heard the term as like 3D printed, but the way Biden made it sound, he made it sound like you buy them. And again, I'm not well versed on this, so I don't know what it actually is. Right. I thought it was 3D printed. I have, people have made 3D guns, 3D printed polymer guns. Mm-hmm. Um, what they're speaking of specifically is there's a company out there, or several companies, I guess. And they literally send you a chunk of metal and the template and all the instructions and all the specs. And as long as you have a metal lathe, and as long as you have a drill press, you know, a high-end drill press, as long as you know how to weld or solder or work the metal over a period of time, you can turn that into a AR-15 lower. And it's unserialized. Yeah. I got news for you. I've, there's been one or two really, really savvy criminals I've arrested out there, highly educated and articulate and intellectual, that probably could and maybe in their wildest imagination would do that. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, dude's slinging crack on the street corner. He doesn't have those resources. He wouldn't know where to begin. <laughs> yeah. Would probably cut his finger off with a metal lathe. And he literally made that an issue during a press conference. And I have yet, I've talked to everybody I know that, you know, I stay in touch with. Nobody's ever seen one of these ghost guns in the public. I know they've gone out there. I know there's a couple out there. Sure. Somebody's made some. I get it. But really, that's that's where our resources are going. It sounds like money laundering. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> it's, it's the way, again that's the importance of having on someone like you is when he said that to me someone that uh, doesn't know anything about it i thought there were actual kits that you could just assemble they're they're thinking people are buying these unserialized guns yeah hand over fist and they got 50 ars in their garage they bought for you know 1500 bucks and they're ready to go you know, and, and that's that's misleading, and it's not genuine. And he loses credibility in the firearms community. Um, he has no credibility in the firearms community anyway, because he's already told people go out and fire a couple blasts of a shotgun out your window. Now, run off those, you know, heavily armed home invaders. Fucking moron! It's it's <laughs> it's it's that's I mean, but that's like saying you can't own grapes because you might start selling wine on a massive scale. It's like, Dude, that's a perfect analogy. It's like it's like what the fuck? But e- that's not even a good analogy because any moron can kind of figure out how to make wine, right? You just kind of stick it in a bottle and put it in the dark. I don't know how to work a metal lathe. I don't have those. I mean, that's that's a that's a skill. That's a fine honed skill. 
And if you're smart enough to take a block of metal and turn it into a weapon, well, you're probably smart enough. You're going to get a manufacturing license and make them legal anyway gonna, and sell them. You're going to start an arms company or you're going to go or you're just going to go work as a metal lathe operator and make six figures and you won't need whatever the fuck you're making the gun for. It's It doesn't. Right. It, do, it doesn't stack up. It's the amount of money you could do with that is. It's those kind of ridiculous issues that Chipman will be dangerous in because whatever the administration says is what Chipman will do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's the whole point of having a, you know, ATF hadn't had a, we, we were never under treasury. We didn't have to have a confirmed, you know, Senate confirmed director. And that's the whole point because that director is now above the fray and not supposedly not susceptible to undue influence from his boss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it 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 seems. Yeah, it, it definitely kind of seems like a a way to move. Or, right, it kind of seems like going into Iraq right after nine eleven, and it's like, wait, hold the fuck, wait, what? Why are we doing that? It kind of seems like what this is is a foot in the door for something else, and I don't know what that something else will be. But when it, well, it can't be good, it can't be good. It can't be good. When we have to go after ghost guns and kits, it's like, well, okay, what are they actually doing? There's something behind this. That's the Trojan horse. And, you know, what you said about him being dishonest, I I actually don't know a lot about Waco, but I, I'm pretty sure it's not accurate when he said, he said last week in an interview or two weeks ago that the Branch Davidians shot down two FBI helicopters with a Maud Deuce. That was um that was an old interview. I think that was done a couple of years ago. Oh well, then I saw it two weeks ago. Okay, right, right. Um, yeah, and that's absurd. Is I mean, Treasury, we we got our ass handed to us after Waco. Yeah. Um, although, understand this, we're in the lawful performance of our duties, and they were the bad guys. There's mm-hmm. no doubt about that. Sure. It's unequivocal. Anybody says different is is moronic. Sure. Uh, we went about it the wrong way, obviously. Our tactics were flawed, to say the least. Sure. But at no point did they shoot down any helicopters. They shot at them sure. on the first day. Yeah. That's what they were doing. They yeah. were shooting at cops. Yeah. That's They'll be brought down a um, helicopter with a Mod Deuce or a Barrett or anything else. They had Barretts. Yeah. But it's that kind of disingenuine sort of I know a little bit about everything about ATF you know <laughs> he touts himself as a case agent on the Waco case there were dozens of case agents in the prosecution phase after the place burned down and the few remaining defendants were tried and what have you there were dozens of agents assigned out to work that case some of the forensics some the you know background um you know, different aspects of the case, working up witnesses and, you know, what have you. But um, he wasn't the main guy, but he lets himself out to be that he was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. it. And to me, it's I'm not I'm not taking a, you know, some people get very passionate about Waco. I'm upfront when I say I don't know anything about it. Oh, I, I know you and I can and I take your word for it, you know. I've talked to you a couple times. I, I judge it on that. To me, it's not. It's not even. It's not even like what Waco was. To me, it's the. It's the outright lying about it. You know, I don't care if we're talking about Waco or about did you take your dog for a walk, 
when there's a when there's a blatant lie about it, that's when it's seen. Again, it's like Bill Clinton. I don't give a shit that Bill Clinton cheated on his wife and got a blowjob in the Oval Office. I don't give a fuck. The whole problem is, is, is a lie. Yeah. So it's I don't well, I don't yeah. It's, and that's where that's where we got pummeled. I mean, we were going to get pummeled anyway because it was such a huge fiasco. Sure. Um, but had our leadership walked out there and say, you know what? We acted on bad information. We made a horrible judgment that morning to go forward with the raid. And as a result, we lost four good agents and have 16 wounded. Who's going to beat that guy up? Yeah. Nobody's, I mean, they're going to still say, well, why'd you do it? And whatever, but they're not going to beat him up. The minute you go, oh, we had no idea we were compromised. Yeah. Do you think nobody's going to find out about that? There were a hundred agents there that saw and heard everything that went down. You think they're going to stick quiet after what you put them through? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it was a lie. It's always the lie and the cover up. Yeah, it's that's that's. But when you have someone like Chipman who has proven to be willing to bend the truth on little issues, what do you think he'll do when he's invited over to uh, the Oval Office? And Joe and Kamala put their arms around and say, "You know, you're our guy, but we really, really need we, you to do this." You know, you know what? His answer is not going to be, "Well, I'm sorry, Miss President, that's not what my agency does, and that's not under our uh, charter from Congress." So you're going to find somebody else to go, yeah, whatever, take up a bunch of guns that's that are not, illegal yeah. or whatever it is. I don't trust him, and you got to be able. We we are one of the most um, influential agencies in the federal government in terms of law enforcement. Nobody else's um, mandate is delineated in the Constitution. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the Constitution doesn't say anything about bank robbery or <laughs> interstate trafficking in automobiles or fugitives yeah. from justice or any or narcotics. You know, but it says everything about the right of the people to keep and bear arms. Yeah, yeah. And that's, we have to be the protectors of that while making sure the people that don't have that right get their ass hammered. Yeah, yeah. And you, you make a you make a very good point in an analogy, or not an analogy, I guess a comparison to draw there is um, James Bamford wrote the book uh, Shadow Factory, the post 9-11 ultra secret NSA. He wrote it in like 2004. It's a great book, all about NSA eavesdropping. Like it. Yeah, it's an awesome book, man. It's uh, it's on Audible. It's not as good as Ratsnicks, but uh, <laughs> it, in it he talks about um, who was it? It was um, I think not Clapper or Michael Hayden, whoever the head of the NSA was at the time. Who, right. in in a way, you could say it's similar, right? It's the right to privacy in a way that is kind of loosely in the Constitution as well. But what you said about you know this guy going to the Oval oh, Office, it's not loosely. It's not loosely in the Constitution. It's in the Fourth Amendment. Well, that's what I mean. Is it's 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 the same in terms of ATF Second Amendment. It's the same as oh right, 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 right. So you have this parallel where it is kind of like the ATF, where it's woven into the Constitution. That being said, Michael Hayden was actually invited over to the Oval Office with George W. Bush and Dick Cheney, and they, they, per his words, put their arms around him. And this is a guy that grew up always loving, you know, attention and loving approval from his father. They put their arms around him and they called him Mikey. And they said, hey, Mikey, we really need to wiretap the U.S. And he let it go through. And he lied about it under oath, as did Clapper. Now, now if the NSA will lie about domestic wiretapping, 
in surveillance, and the only way we learn about it is through Ed Snowden, like him or hate him, that's, that's how we learned about it, is if you don't think that can happen with the ATF, if it happened once in 2003, he, they said, hey, Mikey, you know, these terrorists just took down the World Trade Center. Can you bend the laws? And, you know, they're alone in the Oval Office. He doesn't report to anyone except these two. And he goes, I'll see what I can do. Why wouldn't that happen again with something as incendiary as, you know, especially when you have shooting after shooting after shooting? Why wouldn't you have something come in where you have riots and George Floyd and whatever the hell's going on? You don't think that these guys are going to lean on him and go, hey, you know. Not a lot on it. Absolutely. And it's. And if, if you have got to have. Either with judgment and more importantly, a spine. It needs to be understood. If I'm going to accept this nomination as the director, I'm running the agency. You're not, mm-hmm. and that's hard to find. I mean, I get it. I, I don't know that I can stand up under that kind of pressure. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that's the kind of people we need to get in there. And I know guys that can do that job. I mm-hmm. mean, I've met them yeah. <laughs> and qualified, and they'll never be in there for that reason. Yeah. Because yeah. they've been because they're qualified. Call ATF maybe ugly when it was ugly, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, it's like uh, you know, a lot of people don't like uh, Mattis for what you know, talking bad about the president while he's in office. Um, despite being a Trump supporter myself, I do look at Mattis with some sort of integrity in that. He thought we shouldn't withdraw from Syria. Trump thought we should. I'm not taking a stance on either we should or shouldn't. But the fact is, is he's, he said, I don't think we should. And I think you need a secretary of defense who's, who is aligned with your issues. At the very well, least, and I, like, I, like, the only, I didn't like him speaking out. Yeah. Um, there's like an unwritten. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, don't talk shit about the commander. In you truth. know, a simple resignation would have been enough. Sure. Sure. And that would have been the, the thing, you know, that would show great integrity. Sure. But it's we'll, we'll take what we do have. And he said, you know, you deserve a secretary of defense whose views are more aligned with yours. At the very least, I can give I can give respect to that. And I. Oh, absolutely. And I don't think we'll have that in the ATF. I don't think we'll have someone that will say agree to disagree. I resign. I think I think he got a yes, man. Well, that would appear so. <laughs> It's a. Hold on, I got something. You're good. Um, So what what all do you know about? Was I don't know if it was passed or 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 whatever, but there was a bill I know being proposed by the Biden administration for police to be able to enter a gun owner's house without a warrant to seize their guns. Do you think that that will be pushed through? What you're talking about. Again, it was that whole red flag uh, mental instability thing. I I think it died on the floor. I don't know that. Okay. I mean, don't don't call me up tomorrow when they pass it. And go, hey, you you said it died, <laughs> but something like that. Um, you know, it, it would take it would take so much compromise to get through. It'd be so watered down because it goes directly against people's. Fourth and Fifth Amendment rights, you know. Um, yeah, it's kind of like the wiretapping thing. Mm-hmm. Now, do I think there should be an ability of law enforcement under well documented, not not FISA court documented, not behind closed door 
secret, yeah. double secret, uh, you know, warrant, do I think there should be maybe some sort of ability if I'm a patrolman, if I'm a, a local police officer, mom or wife says, dude's going to kill somebody or kill me. What do you say that? Because he told me he we got in a fight last night. He's going to kill me and everybody. Do I think it would be a bad thing to be able to retain those weapons with with an expectation that without spending thousands of dollars or anything else, this guy can clear his good name. He can either be psychologically evaluated. He can either be interviewed and with some very strict parameters, you know, um, to determine was he spouting off as he, you know, a long time good citizen and, you know, whatever. Do I, do I think that it would be nice, you know, if you go to one of these mass shooters that they have come across, mm-hmm. apparently somebody, somebody sort of red flag, even though I don't think there's any red flag laws out there now, there might be some state ones that I'm not familiar with. Um, but apparently somebody crossed paths with the dude who shot up the, uh, whatever he shot in Colorado Aurora? a couple weeks ago. Oh, 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 uh, yeah, that. Yeah, he shot up like a Whole Foods or something. FedEx. Or, oh no, FedEx. Or, yeah, sorry, that was a couple of days ago. Yeah. Or what? Whatever. Um, you know, somebody had crossed paths with him, and the mother had said, "I think this guy's suicidal." For the following reason. <clears throat> now, should he have been able to walk in and buy a gun? You know, I'm gonna get a lot of haters on your podcast here. From. <laughs> Until something is satisfied, you you just broke up, Mister Sheffield. You just you just broke up. You said I'm going to get a lot of haters, and then it broke up. There you are. There you yeah. Sorry, internet. It's storm. Um, it's storming like, here. I would like to see a very limited ability to temporarily. Like I said, you know this free country. Um, I imagine if they wrote the strictest version of the red flag laws they're talking about, at some time in my life, I would have been in black legend. Mm-hmm. Off to a friend who decides to run to the cops. He said this. Yeah. Where I never had any intention. It was never good. You know, I yeah. venting. Yeah. Um, but I, I shouldn't have to spend $10,000 to get nine psychologist reports and <laughs> pay for court costs and have a hearing and all that just to get my guns back in a scenario like that. Yeah. But it would be nice if maybe a three-day cooling-off period or something. Sure. Like, if this dude, if when they interviewed this guy, if they could have put an addendum in the uh, background check. Yeah. We're not saying no... But we're sending a teletype, an email, a notification to the local police department who had interviewed him six months or a year earlier over some, you know, alleged threats. Um, They're the only ones that can lift this. And they have, you know, 72 hours to go out and talk to him and lift and say no or go out and say, yeah, this guy still looks batshit crazy and, you know, and then let him litigate it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean... Yeah, there's no there's no black and white answer, you know, like you, you can't say across the board that that's a bad idea, you know, when someone walks into a school and shoots 20 people and it's like, you know, like the Parkland shooting, the, the FBI was was already watching that kid. I mean, it's you can't you can't say across the board that that's a bad idea. However, I also see 
I mean, again, post 9-11 Patriot Act, you see how it gets used. It gets it gets used 20 years later. It starts to get used for other things. And how long until, you know, how long until you, you know, you have a barbecue and you say, I fucking hate that president. You know, he outsourced my job. I lost my fucking job. And one of your friends gets it on video on Instagram. Next thing you know, the ATF's at your house taking your rifles. Okay, sure. They'll clear you and give you your rifles back. But at what point does that lead to self-censorship where now you watch what you say because you're scared of getting your shit taken? And that once we do that, well, now we're on a slippery slope to Soviet Russia. That's a good point point because things can be interpreted differently. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, this this podcast, I I've, I got suspended for you on YouTube a second time. The first time because I had on a CIA veteran who said that the election was stolen by the Biden administration. And the second time for having on an MD, PhD from Cambridge saying that COVID lockdowns are ineffective. I'm now suspended for a second time. One more strike. I'm off YouTube for good. I know. Really? Oh, yeah. No, they're a fucking they're fucking communists. So now there is. You know, that's probably going to get you suspended again now. It, it, good. Well, well, it'll be it. Well, good. Good. Fuck. Well, fuck them. They're a bunch of dirty communists. But that's the thing. Is we can already see self-censorship where now it's like, you know, am I going to have this this conversation with Mr. Sheffaloo? Am I going to be candid or am I going to be, you know, am I going to avoid saying the word communist because I don't want to get kicked off YouTube? So there's already a self-censorship effect. And that's just with YouTube. I, I don't no, I got to tell you, um, again, it's probably the cop in me. I don't know. Maybe where I was raised, how I was raised. I think we all could use a little self-censorship. <laughs> you know, sure. I, I'm just saying. I got you. you know, I, the amendment is um, sacred. It's the holy grail of our constitution. I defended a hundred percent, but I just got to tell you, um, a little censorship doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing. I know that's what Hitler did, but uh, remember, when, you know what? You got your head knocked in if you went up and spit on a cop or called him a fucking pig sure. or uh, whatever. But because it's become so acceptable now. People have zero filter, and that's coming from me. And I have very few filters. Sure. But I try to temper my shit so as not to completely appear unhinged or dangerous or whatever. So that's what I'm talking about as far as the self censorship. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I. You know, they always say, well, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater and everything. Oh, but you can yell, you're a fucking whore, uh, vice president, so-and-so. No, you can't. I mean, you can, but... So, freedom of speech allows Nancy Pelosi to rip up the State of the Union address in front of the entire world without consequence? Yeah, it's... Well, yeah, technically it does, but I personally don't think it should. Yeah. No, I I would say that in a legal case, I do think that there can't be censorship. I think you have to be free to be able to call the president a dipshit or to tear up the, the State of the Union. However, I do think that people can react to you. 
So I can get on here and say a bunch of racial slurs. Technically, I am protected by the First Amendment. Now, if none of my friends want to hang out or associate with me anymore, well, now that's affecting my life and maybe I should censor myself. So I don't think there should be a state mandated censorship. But yeah, no, it's it's you, you need to get feedback. You need to learn when well, to shut your fucking well, mouth. Like, okay. I, you know, I'm with you. Like I said, if I'm going to err on any side in my personal interpretation or professional interpretation of the First Amendment, I'm going to err with absolute. Mm-hmm. You can say anything you want anytime because going the other way, you don't know where to put on the brakes and yeah. stop. Yeah. But I, I got to tell you, um, this, this unfettered, well, you were talking about the freedom of speech and go back to the barbecue. Sure. I'm sitting at a barbecue and I say, you know, fucking Pelosi and Nadler and the fucking bunch of socialist communists. I wish I could shoot them all. Yeah. That could easily trigger a red flag mm-hmm. visit and maybe confiscation. But I'm almost to the point where it maybe should, in my personal opinion. Sure. If you're if you're patriotic enough to stand up for the Constitution and ex- exhibit all these rights, enjoy all these rights, you have a responsibility to not say stupid shit like "I wish I could shoot a bunch of people." Sure, I see. and own a gun. Sure, I see that. No, I see that. I see that. But I don't power. know how you enforce that. Yeah. I don't know how you determine. What's somebody blowing off steam and what's, you know, or somebody just being too inebriated or, you know, uneducated. No, I I, I agree with you. I mean, it almost is that cheesy quote, right? With great power comes great responsibility. If we're going to live in this country, if we're going to live in this country where, you know, God bless, I can get drunk as shit on the 4th of July, take my pants off, wave an American flag and shoot off a Tommy gun. I would agree with you. I now I don't know how you enforce it, but maybe you can't look at a camera and say, "I'm coming for you, Senator so and so." Right. Cuz that's a that's that's an expressed threat and with a weapon, right? Threat is uh intent times uh, what capability, whatever it is. So, you know, when North Korea says, "I'm going to bomb you, America," everyone kind of says whatever. When Iran says it and maybe they're testing missiles, well, now all of a sudden we put some carrier groups in that area because we're like, right. what did you just say? It's so I do agree with now I get the the slippery. So how do you how do you legislate that? Where how do you draw up the, the minute details? It's but, you know, it's you know, it's it's one of my family. One of my extended family members lives in Austin. Just whatever, you know, cousin. And uh, I'm going to Austin in. Uh, hell yeah. Maybe, but. Yeah, I need to go visit him. But, um, you know, I think two days ago there was a shooting there and. You know, the first thing that happened was like my blood went cold and I like called my cousin and I was like, dude, you know, he wasn't picking up. And I was like, fuck, fuck, fuck. And then he finally picked up. He was drunk. He was in. He's like visiting a friend in Vegas. He's like, what's up, man? And I was like, oh, fuck, dude. I, I thought you were in Austin. I just heard there's. But it was in that moment that all of a sudden it was like, hey, man, it, I, I, I have a friend in Boulder, Colorado, where a month ago that guy shot and killed 10 people at that uh, grocery store. I called him at like two in the morning. I was like, dude, are you, he's been on the podcast. I was like, are you OK? And he was like, yeah, what's up? And. You know, when those things happen, all of a sudden it comes, it it, it moves from just a, an article on the news to into your real life, 
and then all of a sudden you start going, maybe there should be a red flag law, you know, maybe there should be, you know, I'm for all these freedoms. I lost, you know, I lost a sibling to suicide in 2014. It, yeah, it was, it was with a handgun. He was a highly intelligent individual, uh, you know, math, getting his graduate degree in physics and aerospace, worked for the air, genius guy had suffered depression his whole life. You know, when I think about that now, do is it he would have done it anyway? Or is it, you know, if he hadn't been able to buy a weapon, would he still be here? It's, you know, it, you, you has to... You, you gotta, know, and that, goes, that goes to the root cause. Um, and until we figure out or we put more resources out there, maybe for the mentally ill mm-hmm. or challenged, you know, the struggling people. Um, it goes to the the will of the person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't need guns to kill people. No. Yeah. And if we if we banned every gun in this country today. Stabbings would go up. You know how many homicides would be in Chicago next weekend? The same 30 amount. 30 or 40. It's the same amount. That'd just be like It'd be a lot because they'd be with a crowbar or a knife or a car yeah. or a broken get, bottle. Or they'd get creative. Like, you know, look at the United States and Vietnam and Afghanistan. Those people have a will to live, and they keep fighting. Man, if you want to fucking kill someone and you take away the guns and the knives, what do they do in jail? They take a toothbrush and they shave it into a shank. You know? make, a, make a knife, right? You'll find a... And if worse comes to worse, he'll use your bare hands. It's... We are the war. That, that was a point I was to make. You know, um, there can be a lot of what-ifs with regarding your sibling. Obviously, he was extremely depressed and in trouble. If he wanted to die, if... That's if I want to die, I'm going to die. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'll get my hands on some prescription drugs and take a whole bottle. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you can use it's, it's not hard to die. Yeah, no, it's it's not. It's and that's what I always remind myself of is, dude. If you want to die, you can. You'll find a way to do it. You can hang yourself. You can cut your wrist. You can. You know, it's. And now I yeah, look it, at it. It's. I guess the the tricky question comes in, kind of like what you were saying is. What about when that person isn't suicidal, but instead they go into a kindergarten and they shoot 20 kids? And now all of a sudden it's like, okay, where do we draw the line? You know, and it's, I don't think there is a black or white answer. But again, but again, if that crazy who killed all those kids, all these crazies who were doing senseless cold blood murder, <clears throat> if they went in and the next check, people said, no. Don't got a reason, not giving you a reason, just no, you can't buy a gun. All right, well, it looks like I have some burglarizing to do in. Or, yeah, I'll be, you know, I'll be back whatever. at two in the morning. I've got to go find a gun somewhere else. Yeah. yeah. And if they're intent on making a name for themselves and going down in history as a bloodthirsty, crazy person, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Cocktail time. That's awesome. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. Is, um, but yeah, it's you will, you know, you will find, you know, we saw in what was it, 2016 or 15 in in Nice, France, the guy got in that big truck and he killed 86 people that that Allahu Akbar plowed through a crowd in a fucking delivery truck. You know, look at the Japanese in World War Two. 
when their torpedo, when they realized they couldn't hit our ships with torpedoes, they just drove the planes into the ships. <laughs> You're going to find a way. And I, and I say that loosely and I say it lightly, but it's also like, you know, may, is our money spent somewhere else? That doesn't mean stop trying to prevent these senseless killings, but maybe it goes from, and I, maybe this sounds too idyllic and romantic, do we shift money from enforcing all these laws to do we put money into a better public mental health? Do we find, a, you know, whatever it is? Why don't we do that? while shifting our priorities from some of the nonsensical shit that we do from time to time and enforcing some of these silly policies yeah. and go with the laws we got on the books. Yeah. yeah. Tweak them. Yeah. Tweak them. If you've already been to prison, our society says you don't get to have a gun. Yeah. That's I, the way it is. And I think that's fine. Now, personally, when I came on with ATF, we had a function called relief from disability investigations. Okay. So if you were 19 years old, got caught, charged with a felony burglary, and now you're 42 years old, a pastor in your church, have some kids, you want to hunt, you've not had so much as a speeding day, you could apply through the treasury. They would assign me the investigation. I would do a thorough background on you and make a recommendation mm -hmm. and say, no, you know what? This guy's done his time or everything in his profile, his family, his neighbor says he's a good God-fearing law-abiding citizen. Let's lift his disability from that felony. Yeah. They took our money away for that. They literally Jeez. defunded us. We could not spend any money or time or man hours on that. Jesus. Um, but do I agree in general terms, uh, in general, that if you've already been in prison once, you don't get to own guns? Yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah. Learn to bow hunt. Yeah. You know, hunt with a black powder rifle. Um, but you definitely have shown you are not yeah. responsible enough to have something so lethal. Um, but like I said, um, you know, I've spent hundreds of man hours and thousands of dollars in taxpayer funds and, and manpower and resources and court resources to get a pretty bad guy like a, a prior murderer who maybe did three years or seven years in the state system for a second degree murder or something mm -hmm. <laughs> I'd prosecute him just successfully prosecute him either take a plea or convict him in trial and because of the, uh, the sentencing guidelines, they got six months time served because they've already been in jail and three years supervised probation. Now, if I'm a gangster and I'm, I want to do gangster shit, that's not going to really deter me. Yeah. It's just not. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm a law-abiding citizen, it might deter me a little bit, but then I wouldn't be a felon. Yeah, yeah it's... Yeah. So, I mean, we got to get serious about shit hammering these people who are doing this. Yeah. Why aren't we just, why aren't we just going freaking jackbooted thugs on the south side of Chicago? Just sending the National and Guard. Stopping, stopping and frisking everybody that even resembles a gangster. I'm a hundred percent for that. And it's, you know, you get to a certain point where it's like, you know, I always look at Europe and they have those no go zones where, um, 
where all the immigrants have turned them into just these just these unlawful shitholes. Yeah. yeah. And to me, when when the when the domestic law enforcement can't even go there, to me, that is the biggest sign of weakness that you can't even enter areas of your own country. So when you yeah, look at, unless you're driving, unless you're driving six deep, yeah, yeah, you know, or in an M. You gotta send in three patrol cars for every freaking yeah. service call. Yeah, it's you know, at a certain point, you have to reclaim territory. Yeah, yeah, take your streets back. So when it's something like Chicago, where I think Republicans and Democrats could all agree. Dude, there's more killings there in a week. The news doesn't cover it because it's a it's a gun free zone. Dude, send in the fucking national guard. I mean, as, look if we can set up ro- if we can set up roadblocks in in tiered security in Kabul and Riyadh and and and, and Baghdad. I mean, dude, why can't we take Chicago? <laughs> it's it's you know it's it, it's got to be the will of the people though. Sure, sure. and apparently. There is not that will. Yeah, <clears throat> I don't see, and I'm not. I'm not going all controversial on sure. you here. But I've seen tens of thousands of people rise up in the street and nonstop attention seeking for a police officer having killed somebody unjustifiably or whatever, sure. which is always tragic and it should be addressed. Yeah. But then once they've gotten that address, why are they not packing up? They're funded. You know, they're being funded. <laughs> yeah. The agitators, the protesters. Why are you not packing up your buses and Going taking over the streets of Chicago? I know. And saying this stops now. Not one more death. Yeah. It's no, you're hundred percent correct. You know, it's it's I was just thinking that today, you know, it's um whatever people may may or may not think about uh Chauvin is I was thinking on the grand scheme of things, I would say it's probably a good thing simply because it is it is a it's proof that we live in a country where when the state overreaches, the citizens can rise up and they can enact change. If we tried to do this in China or the Soviet Union, we'd all be gunned down. So whether or not you agree about you know Chauvin should be charged, the very fact that we do live in a society where you can go out and protest against the police and enact change in a in a court of law, I mean that's that's a beautiful thing. Whether or not you agree with the outcome or whoever it was, that's a beautiful thing. Why isn't that motivation? Why isn't that laser focus? Why isn't it on Chicago? Why isn't it on New York? New York, LA. LA, Atlanta. You know, why isn't it there? And Dude, the people are in San Francisco. One of the, I worked up, up the street at a federal building in San Francisco, so I had great places to go have lunch and walk around, go yeah. smoke a cigarette downtown there. And I would go by the uh, City Hall Plaza and just go out there and watch. Oh, I don't know, you might have a bunch of people out there doing Tai Chi and you know, moms with their kids running around and, you know, whatever, hanging out in a sunny day and everything. And you can't walk in the plaza now for the tent city that is put in there. Jesus. And that's just one example. We have got to say, learn to say no and mean it. Yeah. If you mean it, we know to gun violence, 
I think we can all probably, well, we won't agree because it doesn't serve certain agendas. Sure. I think common sense would dictate we could put a dent in it. A hundred percent. I'll give you an example. Remember the Mary Alito boat lifts in the 80s mm-hmm. when all the Cuban criminals and everybody came to South Florida and it got so bad, Florida was a, a no-go zone. The state of Florida, Time Magazine named it the most dangerous place in the world. Um, George Bush stood up the uh, Vice Presidential Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force in South Florida, and everybody, every swinging dick, if you weren't involved in a case, a big case, wherever you're at, you were going to South Florida for six weeks, six months, whatever. And we just flooded that place. Yeah. And I mean, everything that moved that looked like a narco freaking vehicle, it, it didn't matter. Yeah. Um, and so when I got hired with customs in before I went to ATF in Key West, it was to the point that there was so much drugs coming in, you could go to the U.S. attorney with like a 50-kilo seizure of cocaine, and they'd say, take it to the state. We ain't got the time. We ain't got the money. We ain't got the research. But if you had a gun, and that was one of the big things, one of the underpinnings of the drug task force under H.W. Uh, Bush, mm-hmm. vice president, was if you had a gun, it was going federal. It didn't matter whether you had an ounce or a pound or a kilo or a boatload. Mm-hmm. And you know what that did? I could still throw a rock in any direction and hit a drug dealer and search any house, every other house, and find huge loads of dope. I couldn't find a gun, and citizens weren't getting shot, and the big blue-on-blue shootouts and all the crazy shit that was going on down there subsided. Really? Because you knew if, you know what, there's a, there's a gray area here that you might survive this craziness as long as you don't have a gun or use a gun while you're trying to. Yeah. And it made a difference. I would work the task force in Athens, Georgia. I was lucky enough to go back and go to my starting point. Shout out Athens. Uh, <laughs> Um, you know I was a cop in Athens, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, we talked about yeah, that. Yeah, for everybody listening, I went to the University of Georgia. I was in Athens for four years. And uh, so I left, went with the feds, 10, 15 years passed, came back to Atlanta with ATF, and they needed some help, some resources out in Athens. Mm-hmm. Just a lot of gangster shit going on, a lot of drugs and violence. <clears throat> and... Uh, so they sent me over there, and it was basically me. Now, I could call on my boys to come down and help, but basically um, APD staffed it, and I just used my hammer with the federal courts and my money and resources and equipment, what have you. And we just started knocking their dicks in the dirt. If you had a crack rock, we are going to get you. Yeah. If you had a pound, we were going to get you. Yeah. We were making hand-to-hands night and day and night and day, and then we come in with a big U.S. Marshals bus, after about three months, we'd indict them all over the three months and just stack them up. And then we'd come in like Sherman going through Atlanta. And, dude, we would arrest 50 or 60 people and put them on that U.S. Marshall bus. And their family would never see them again outside the federal court system. Jesus. After about a year, these guys were seeing ATF agents on any 
corner. Yeah. You literally hear them on a wire talking or talk to them on a phone call or be present when they're talking about or want a search warrant. Dude will be going, baby, you got to tell them it's your gun. It's your gun, baby. You got to take that. I'll, I'll take the dope, but you got to take the gun. I, I can't uh-huh. do the fed time. I can't do it. And in their minds, in the, in the criminal community, they thought there was 100 ATF agents detailed to Athens, Georgia, when in reality, it was just me and a bunch of hard-charging <laughs> cops. Yeah. But it got their attention. Yeah. And shit slowed down. You going to make crime go away? No. But, you know, there's kind of a gentlemanly thing out there about, you know, you can't hurt people. You know, you steal and shit and sell drugs and everything. But you start hurting people, then you're going to really, really get our attention. Yeah. Yeah. And so they slow down. They don't stop. Yeah. But no, I think that's I think that's an incredibly important point is look, we're never going to live in a society where people aren't slinging cocaine or weed or whatever. We're, it's just it's it's impossible. You can't. But you can, it seems like from from what you just said, you can take your your energies, your efforts, your resources, and you can pinpoint it on. It's like, OK, well, if we can't stop prostitution, we can't stop cocaine deals. Can we at least stop? innocent people getting shot you can't stop 100 percent, but you can put a big enough dent in it with a large enough deterrence right you know japan stopped when, when we nuked two cities they're like okay fuck you know let's cut it out they're, they're not- so let's let's so let's metaphorically so let's nuke chicago yeah it yeah. will have the same net result mm-hmm Let's send in an army of agents yeah. supported by National Guard, CID, and MPs. Yeah. Let's detail 50 U.S. attorneys there and drop the $50 million it might take yeah. to restore some order to that town instead of sending the 50000 to this Kennedy Center. Yeah. You yeah. Know? I'm, I'm with you 100% on that. It's And that's the thing is I think that is something that both the left and the right could absolutely come together on like dude you got to restore this shit not only that but there's an actual economic but they can't, but they yeah. can't because they, they don't want to acknowledge they being whoever don't want to acknowledge that there's a problem on their way. or that it's a problem that the government has to fix yeah the people got to fix it yeah they gotta say enough of this yeah i don't know how many times you know everybody loves to point out how uh, cops go into the projects and or whatever, and they're pelted with rocks and mud. And I've had that shit happen to me a hundred times, but ninety nine percent of the time. And we used to go heavy into the projects in Atlanta. It was a, it was um, cobble. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was just it was nasty, dirty, hard, violent, and it never failed because we. We'd lock the place down. We'd lock the whole projects down for a day, search everything, you know, and make our arrests and do whatever. And it never failed. They wouldn't do it in public. They didn't want us to be seen out. But I had so many mothers or grandmothers or fathers or sisters and brothers come up to me, shake my hand, maybe pat me on the back and just say, thanks, man. This is this has just been untenable, man. My daughter can't even go into that little playground. It's right outside our front door. So thanks fuck. for doing this, and you know we appreciate you, or whatever. Yeah, fuck. They want it to stop. Yeah, but they're terrorized. You know, there's probably a thousand gangsters terrorizing three hundred thousand people in South Chicago. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's but a, they have the guns. They've shown the willingness to use them, regardless of whether there's women and children present. That's not gangster shit. That's not being a good criminal. That's being a an assassin. It's being a it's being a piece of shit. It's being a Nazi. You're not a hard ass. You're a piece of shit, right? It's yeah. It's and and you're you know you you don't ever see that. You know, whenever I see police officers, whenever I'm going for a walk or a jog. I, no matter where I am, I always make sure to just, you know, just say something like, hey, man, like you only. Thanks. Yeah, I just say I appreciate what you're doing. You know, you guys like, you guys got a target on your back and I appreciate what you're doing. And you don't see that in the news. But, you know, most people, they they don't they you know, you can say, oh, there's only a thousand gangsters and there's three hundred thousand people. But I mean, it's not three hundred thousand people acting as like a, a blob. It's me and my daughter. And I'm like, fuck this. I don't want her to get shot. You're staying inside. But that's how everyone thinks. That's and when you do that, it it, it does. They probably would be for it. I mean, you. But then again, you do have the the city itself would have to. You have to ask for that. You know, when when Trump. Well, talked, I, I I talk about some of that in my uh, book. Yeah. Rats, cheating death and living a lie. Yeah. Rat snakes. So pick up rat snakes. You know, Amazon, Barnes yeah. and Noble, Books a Million. And for everybody listening, we we've covered we did two episodes uh, in the past on rat snakes. It's a legitimately good book. And as I tell everyone, I'm my own boss. I only invite people on here that I want, and I only re-invite people that I like having on. So the fact that Mr. Shevel has been on here three times now clearly shows he's he's a cool fucking dude. His book's good. It's much appreciated, by the way. Yeah, man. And dude, and your 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 book's good. I t- I listen to more audiobooks than anyone I know. It's a good book. It's a funny listen. It's interesting. And I and I think I said this the first time we spoke. You know, every book I listen to, there's overlapping information. But I always try to find one, like, kernel of truth, one nugget of, of novel information. And more than anything, what I took away from your book, and I thought this was interesting. Everyone that listens to this podcast knows I'm obsessed with the Cold War. Is your book, to me, before that, I had this, this image, this model of society in my head and that there are these there are these national governments that went against each other, China, Britain, France, Germany, America, Russia, whatever. And then we had kind of like state governments to a lesser scale. And then it was just citizens. What your book showed me is there's actually this invisible kind of surface of the ocean that is society. And underneath it, you've got the white supremacists, you've got the Latin kings, you've got MS-13, and you have all these different kind of like <clears throat> mini nation states moving just beneath the surface. And it does. There are these kind of mini kingdoms all throughout the United States. And I never in a million years would have thought about that. But your book does shed light on it. And it's it's you go, oh, oh, shit, it's not it's not all good in the neighborhood. You're like, there are these little kingdoms moving around and they will fucking kill you. They will kill you. Well, and the, the beauty of that is, and I hope that is the book, as you know, now that you've heard is 10 percent about me and 90 percent about the cool people I know and yeah. work with. Yeah. Um, it's comfort- comforting to me. To know that people like you, some of my neighbors, who are, are not involved in politics or current events, they're just trying to raise their family and stuff, can go to bed at night. Yeah, they don't need to know. They don't need to know that that's going on because there are those of us who are out there to make sure that it's not going to get to them. Yeah, and that's an honorable you know? thing. Yeah, that's it's because you're right. I mean, you know. But this whole defund the police foolishness and this fucking retarded. Uh, Biden just uh, announced he's 
gonna submit or Pelosi or in concert they're gonna this big police reform bill in we don't need to reform the police we have the greatest best trained best motivated best paid best equipped law enforcement in the world yeah does every agency from the Shriners on up have a bad apple or could use some tweaking? But when you say police reform, that's insulting to me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't see you needing to reform uh, um, the Army or the Marines or the Air Force and whatever. But somehow you have to reform these guys who have millions of contacts a year save thousands of lives and put themselves in harm way. I, you can just say thank you and let <laughs> yeah. it be known that, hey, um, there's a public concern for excessive force or whatever the, the current issue is. That doesn't require striking reforms. 99.999% of departments and their officers do good every day and sacrifice a lot to do it yeah so i got your police reform hanging yeah an excuse and it's it's an excuse because we it's easier to confront than lawlessness yeah yeah it's 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 the the bad the bad apples this doesn't mean that you know we gloss over them and say you know whatever there's only a couple no it's good surgically remove them Put them in court. It's yeah. Remove them. They're pieces of shit. You you shoot yeah, somebody. Fire them. Prosecute them. Yeah. Treat them like you would a criminal. It, that's good. You don't need to wipe out the whole fucking police department, or else you're gonna have a lot worse problems on your hands. So yeah, because nobody seems to ask the question, or those who are anti-police or uh, hyper-police reform. They don't have a, um, a solution. They're they're wanting to disband or defund or whatever it is they're wanting to do without adding the component that's going to replace those services and that safety net. Yeah. And once they're gone, you know, Baltimore's down seven hundred sworn positions. Now, I can't even imagine what that does to their call log. I, the, the last thing I want to hear when I dial 911 is we'll get you as soon as we can <laughs> or um, we'll get somebody rolling that way eventually. Because um, you know what that's going to uh, lead to? That's going to lead to everyone going, I can't rely on the cops. I need a fucking gun. <laughs> so if you want to get we, – you can't – Who's going to be my next statement? Yeah. If, if I can't depend on you to handle it, and that's a lot of lot to put on the police, but I'm willing. Like this guy's out there jacking my car, breaking windows right now. <clears throat> you know, I'm not gonna go shoot him in the face as long as you guys are gonna come get him off my shit, you know, yeah. save my family or whatever. I'm gonna a reasonable amount of time to do your job because that's what I do. I'm a law abiding citizen. I tell you somebody's kicking at the door and I, I can't tell who it is. I don't know what's going on, but they're banging at three in the morning. They say, well, sir, we're, our officers are tied up right now. There is, leaves me two blocks. Yeah. So the 
to talk about defunding policing. Cautionary tale. It's. Hey, brother, I got to get running here. In yeah, a few no, minutes, I, was, so I was about to. Have was, you got any real. I was about to wrap it up. Yeah, no, it's what I was going to say is, yeah, we can't have this whole, we can't have this whole, no one needs guns, get rid of them. We want to get rid of violence. Once you get rid of cops, you're going to have a bunch of untrained people deputizing themselves to protect their houses. And you're going to wish you only had one shooting a month. It's. We went through this, you know, during the, the early settler days. Yeah. You know, people have their own business. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you want it to be the Wild yeah. West. And I don't want that, but I'm perfectly capable of it. Yeah. But unfortunately, a lot of my friends or neighbors aren't. Yeah. They're just not built for it. They were raised in a peaceful, law-abiding society, which now they have to have that discussion. Yeah. I've got a couple neighbors that are the kindest, gentlest souls in the world. And I know they've had the conversation about I've never had a gun, you know, and they're 70 years old or something. But I, I, I almost feel like I should, should almost get one or have one. I, I, I'm scared. Yeah. And you're forcing people's hand into doing that. And, um, yeah, let's wrap this one up. Mr. Sheffaloo, author of Rat Snakes. I'll put that in the description as always. It's legitimately a good book. I have yet to recommend a bad book. I dare anybody to challenge me. And, um, definitely have you back on and i'm gonna i'm gonna text my friend yeah no no i I love having you on man you're a cool fucking dude i want to get you to do my buddy's podcast he's got like twice as many subscribers as me he's a marine oh hell yeah i want to do his shit and i'm I'm done with you yeah fuck me i'm old news man he's a cool guy man he's a marine veteran he's a you'd love him i'm uh i've been bugging him i'll try to get him to have you on but um yeah we'll stay in touch man i'll send you this when it's uploaded all right all right thanks buddy talk to you later god bless take care